Gentlemen, drivers, gig workers, and everyone in between, welcome to This Week in Rideshare Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Hoffa. It is Thursday, August 31st, and this week, one driver's legal fight, Uber plays chicken, and robo-taxis are here. Legal Rideshare breaks it down. And from Legal Rideshare, I'm joined by the co-founder, and lead attorney, Brian Greeny. Brian, happy Thursday. Happy Thursday, Jared. Good to be here. Yes, good to be back a little bit early this week, but certainly plenty to talk about. We're going to jump right into it, starting off with Monday. Uh, This is one driver's legal fight could truly upend the gig economy. This is from Fortune. They reported, quote, the court recently allowed a special lawsuit to be brought against Uber from drivers demanding coverage for work-related expenses. Eric Adolf, the Uber Eats driver at the heart of this case, is not merely a plaintiff. He symbolizes the struggle of gig workers seeking fair compensation uh, against a system that often feels stacked against them. The lawsuit against Uber actually leverages the Private Attorney General Act, PAGA, a unique California law that allows workers to sue for employment law violations on behalf of the state. Pretty interesting stuff. Uh, Brian, I don't know how much you know about uh, this Private Attorney General Act, but certainly curious to hear your take on it. Yeah, well, I'm I'm very interested in this case because, as the article alluded to, it really could upend the entire industry. Um, so much of Uber and Lyft's business model is the fact that they can skirt certain uh, costs and, and certain expenses that pretty much every other employer needs to incur. Um, by classifying drivers as independent contractors, they don't have to take things like uh, health insurance or um, more particularly to Uber and Lyft, gas, uh, maintenance of vehicles, things like that into account. They just pay the driver a flat fee and then profit everything else. Um, so this is th- this could really change the business model if the courts were to decide that this driver has a valid argument and is entitled to protections and reimbursement of expenses and, and the things of that nature. It's interesting that we haven't heard much about this until now. I feel like this would have, it's just, I guess maybe it just took this long to, to reach this point. And it's also kind of interesting to see that this is really, as I said, I mean, this is weighing on to one man, one case, but truly a domino effect uh, you know, starting in California and maybe trickling to other states, if, I, if I'm understanding this correctly. Yeah, well, so this is a, a California case. And really, you know, this the decision that comes out is going to affect California drivers. But we've seen California lead the way in a lot of ways when it comes to trying to advocate for gig workers and gig worker rights. There are lots of flaws in the Prop 22 and, and what they've done so far. But um, it, we have to say and we have to give credit that California is at least trying to push the envelope and this would be a way for their uh, you know their judicial system to give some extra protections and um, certainly could be an example for the rest of the country uh, should there be a finding in the driver's favor. Yeah, we're certainly going to keep track of this uh, and keep updated as we hear news on this because it's certainly sure it's going to move fast and it'll be uh, interesting to see where this where this takes off. Uh, We're going to head off into Tuesday, something that we talk about often on this show. Uh, Uber and Lyft keep playing chicken with cities and winning. Fast Company reported, quote, as the bill gained momentum, Uber and Lyft issued a threat, the same one they've used against 
uh, for years against localities weighing new rules for the gig company that they would pull out if the law succeeded. So what happened in Minneapolis follows an increasingly familiar pattern where lawmakers quash rideshare regulations after Uber and Lyft's warnings. So the question really becomes, why don't these localities stand their ground? And what would actually happen if Uber and Lyft actually did pull out? Well, we know the answer to that. Um, This happened in Austin. And according to the article, almost immediately, Austinites created alternatives. The city's taxi drivers uh, union formed a worker co-op and they launched their own service. Local entrepreneurs also launched Ride Austin, a nonprofit rideshare app, and quickly exploded basically overnight. So. Brian, you and I have discussed this so many times on the show. Uh, you know, these local governments work really hard. They get legislation. They're about to pass it. Uber and Lyft say, we're out of here, and they back off. Um, and it's this game of chicken that they keep winning. I don't understand why the local governments keep, um, you know, refusing to stand their ground. Because as we saw in Minneapolis, the drivers had the support of the local government. They, they got all the way to the governor or to the mayor's desk and they, they got vetoed. And like you said last week, that's, it just doesn't feel very democratic that we can have all of these legislators, all of these representatives, all of these constituents fighting for a certain thing to, to pass and, and then the, you know, have it just be taken away. And, you know, certainly we've seen the veto process play out. I, I, am not a, a fool as to the way the government works, but it just doesn't feel right. Um, and what we've seen, as, as you mentioned in Austin, is that when Uber and Lyft do pull out, it, it, it doesn't really matter. Like there's other rideshare companies that are ready to step up. It's not like the service it, itself in terms of rideshare goes away. Um, I, I think that if the people want more protections for gig workers, then that's what the people should get. And it shouldn't be these billion dollar companies dictating uh, the people's livelihoods and people's legal protections based on these threats. So it's it's discouraging that the governments continue to kowtow to um, to Uber's demands. But um, you know there there is a, an alternative, and we would love to see some local governments stand up for themselves and and do what's right. Yeah, I think it's funny that uh, they mentioned too in the article, and I, and I remember this. As soon as Ride Austin and some of these uh, cooperatives like the taxi, once they started gaining momentum and getting, uh, you know, a real increase in user base, then Uber and Lyft came back <laughs> because they're like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. We need this money. Uh, we're just kidding. So it's like, you know, and I actually believe the protections there are now better. So, uh, yeah, I, it confuses me, too, why this keeps happening. Uh, it's just not fair. It's not fair for everyone involved. Yeah, I think the, the governors and the mayors are, are just letting politics dictate too much. And at the end of the day, there's going to be a rideshare service for people. Um, Uber and Lyft are not the only ones who know how to make this work. They're just the biggest players right now. And if there's opportunities for other people to step up, maybe we see a better experience for everyone. Maybe some of these smaller companies, if they get an opportunity, can create a better experience for drivers and passengers. And the community would be better off. Uh, because somebody stood up for themselves and somebody took a strong position. And um, that's what we need to see more local governments do. Totally agree. Um, We're going to head off into Wednesday with a weird twist of fate, but Uber is now dispatching taxis. 
Uh, this is from AM New York, and they reported that rideshare giant Uber is now dispatching yellow taxis to some of its New York City customers who use the app, cementing an unlikely partnership, to say the least, between two once fierce rivals. Uh, Uber has allowed New York customers to request a taxi through its app since 2022, but last week the company started automatically dispatching them to anyone requesting an Uber X. The company also suspects it might potentially be a money saver for riders in the long term. It's this is almost satire, Brian. This is I don't even know what to say. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And it's Uber comes in, they destroy the taxi industry, they destroy uh, the medallion prices, they leave taxi drivers with you know no way to make money, no retirement, um, all their investment is gone, and now. They circle back and say, hey, you guys want to work for us for cheap? It's crazy. Um, and it's it's just an example of how this has come full circle where Uber and Lyft could come into cities with no regulation and um, you know could just completely alter the industry. And now they're um, taking advantage of uh, you know the workers that that were crushed uh, by Uber and Lyft's big plan and and now customers are riding in the back of yellow cabs once again it's just crazy it's crazy and they even said the company suspects it might potentially be a money saver for riders so basically they're saying yeah taxis could save you money as a rider it's just it's hard to swallow sometimes when you see this it's absolutely crazy it it is they they have put themselves in a position where they own the market but they don't have enough drivers to um you know perform the services with the demand levels that, that that currently exist so they have to find the workers somewhere and um you know it's in one regard i'm, I'm glad that the taxis are are you know finding some work because i know that there's not many people that put their hand up in the air anymore and and grab a ride that way but in the same vein they once had a, a booming industry to themselves they once had the ability to earn uh, money in a in a way that was dictated by uh, certain standards. They knew exactly what they were going to make every ride. Um, and now they're beholden to Uber and Lyft, just like every other driver out there. So it's, right. you know, it, it, there's, there's a lot of different angles to look at it, but at the end of the day, it is just kind of ironic and, and sad. It is. It is. But it's, it's, we live in a weird, weird world. What can I say? Uh, we're going to head off into Thursday. Speaking of weird, like it or not, robo-taxis are here. Uh, this is from The Economist. And they added, quote, how quickly they proliferate will depend a lot on technology. Uh, Waymo and Cruise use a combination of detailed maps, extensive sensors, and AI to achieve the full AV, but only in geofence areas where they are trained. That means they can only really advance step by step. They go in to say, robots, yes, may make driving safer, but that may come at a cost to human interaction. Then there are jobs. Driverless technology could eventually extinguish the taxi driver profession, destroying a valuable source of income and a font of local knowledge, not to mention a priceless resource for journalists. So we've talked a lot about this before, Brian. It is starting to guess, gain some momentum. Other people are starting to see the writings on the wall. Don't know when ultimately, but it's coming. It is, and it's coming fast. Uh, we've seen what's happening in San Francisco with driverless cars allowed to, to operate on the streets. And we've seen uh, previously what happened in Arizona, where one of those driverless cars killed a pedestrian. Um, it's we, we better brace ourselves because it's here. And you know we've talked time and time again about the fact that 
it just doesn't seem like the technology is up to snuff. It seems like there's a lot of issues uh, when it comes to detecting um, jet outs and, and dart outs and identifying, say, a, a bicycle versus, um, you know, s some other object in the roadway. Um, but we're here. Uh, we need to learn what to do with it and, and how to, um, you know, how the law is going to shake out as a result of it, which is um, what I'm looking at. So I, I know that as these vehicles become more and more common, there's going to be injuries and um, we're ready to be on the forefront of uh, prosecuting those cases and helping shape the, the judicial system and the, the case law uh, about who's going to pay when these, when these devices cause injuries to people in our communities. I think what's really interesting about this article, too, they, they covered, they interviewed a driver. I think they interviewed a few. But one of the drivers had a really optimistic outlook. And I'm curious if you have thoughts on this yet. You know, the, you know, the other drivers had said, yeah, I'm going to be out of a job and I'm not going to be able to you know, do what I did before. But one driver said, I can't wait because then I'm just going to rent out my AV vehicle to basically run it itself. But you know, if, if that's the case, I, I could just see a lot of issues with renting the car. And what if that car gets into an accident? I mean, what ha is that driver, the owner of that car responsible? It, it becomes complex. It, it does uh, present a lot of complexities. And at this point, we don't really know who's responsible. The, the laws aren't written. The policies aren't established. That's why this is so important. What we, what we were talking about before with the taxis and Uber Part of the problem was that Uber and Lyft were allowed to come into communities with zero regulation. Nobody knew what was going on. There was no plan in place. We should use what happened in, in that regard with rideshare to, to look forward and say, okay, let's not make the same mistakes when it comes to autonomous vehicles. Let's make sure that we have set policies. Let's figure out who's responsible when something goes wrong. Let's set standards and regulations to ensure a, a baseline safety. Um, and this driver's idea is certainly interesting, but uh, I, I think it's a long ways away that the average individual is going to have a vehicle in their um, possession that they can rent out and, and you know, make money. on. I think it's going to be more like fleets that are owned by Google and owned by Uber and probably Amazon is going to get into this. And, you know, there, there's going to be the, the big companies before the um, individual owners. Um, but back to my back to my point, we, we just need to figure out the answers to these questions before we let people on the roadway um, or, or autonomous vehicles on, vehicles on the roadway before people get hurt, before things go wrong. Um, you know, give us some answers uh, before we we have issues. Yeah, t couldn't agree more. Um, you know, unfortunately, it might have to be broken before it gets fixed, as it seems to be the new trend in tech. So scary stuff, but we'll see. Um, before we head off into the weekend, Brian, I'll just give you the floor per usual, and then we'll we'll sign off. We're heading into a, a holiday weekend, so we know that people are going to be traveling around quite a bit, and uh, rideshare and delivery use will, will be way up. Um, so we just encourage everyone to drive safe and be careful. Uh, but should something happen, should you find yourself in an accident or injured um, on the roadway, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. LegalRideShare.com is the best way to get uh, a hold of us and find our contact information. Um, we help recover the cost of medical treatment, recover your lost wages, uh, pain and suffering, loss of normal life. This is real money that you're entitled to. So uh, don't hesitate. Uh, contact us for a free consultation. Excellent. Thank you, Bryant. And as I like to say, that is the end of this week in RideShare.
See you next week.